Welcome to Saints and Humans, a podcast for chaplains who are also human and sometimes better at being humans than saints. I will be sharing my own experiences of being a chaplain and interviewing others to hear their stories and the stories of their families, as well as learning from colleagues we work with in related fields, because it's our own humanity that unites us on this very spiritual journey through a very mortal life. I can't believe you're doing this. I'm so grateful. Thank you. You're so sweet. I'm I'm happy to do it. Of course I remember you, you silly. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just even say that, just especially since this podcast is just starting. I met you in Salt Lake at our annual training in October. And the first year I met you, I had a baby with oxygen and a G-tube and all of the stuff, the machines and the extra stuff. And my husband was there with the other children. And it was the first year that our children, who were all so tiny little preschoolers at the time, had all been adopted through foster care. And we were exhausted and a mess. And you were so kind and so patient. And then in subsequent years, when I got to see you, it was always like this moment of just relief to see an adult, kind of a mom moment. <laughs> and oh, yeah, we all have those mom moments, huh? <laughs> right, right. And I was so, so grateful. And those other years, what I did, trying to balance being a mom and these trainings and all the extra stuff, was I brought, I brought one child with me each year. And then I got busted and they're like, no, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> and so because, because I can't do that, then I have to choose being a mom. So I haven't gotten to go back to Salt Lake for the October training in a couple years since then. So that's why I was like, I don't know if you even remember me. <laughs> no, I look for you at the conference. I was sad that you weren't there this last time. You were missed. Absolutely. <laughs> I I am I am grateful. I hope that we get to yeah. go again, but for us to go and to have the children contained or or with them yeah. um my husband would have to go too, which means we have to drive there from Oklahoma and with all six children and they all have disabilities. So it's just a lot. It's a lot to ask of the family. It's not something we can do every year and I don't know if we can do it this year. It depends on numbers the pandemic was hard on us because of the airway like not politics at all just because of my daughter's airway and so i don't i can't even plan tomorrow right now is what it feels like right it's just a day by day situation oh you're amazing i love all that you do you're such an example oh i i mostly feel like a mess and and it's so funny even to be talking about chaplains or being in a chaplain family like it's 
it's such a funny thing because we are so human. And that's why I named it as I did the podcast, because I just, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm just a person, (laughs) but there's so much going on. You know, that's really funny because I just said this to my husband the other day. I'm like, I think maybe my calling is just to show people that being a mess is okay. (laughs) Because you really do feel like some days you're just like, totally winging it stuff that happens (laughs) so I totally understand it's so true my husband was home teaching one time when it was still called home teaching and the family the man said to him he said when I look at you and your family it reminds me that life could be worse (laughs) oh no (laughs) thanks for that so it's just always fun because Like, life is just hard. And our family, (laughs) our family, with everything that's going on with the kids and just all this stuff that's happened. I had cancer. So I went to one of the October trainings with chemo and a wig because that I, I so wanted to be there and so needed to be there. But I was so, so sick. And and so I just feel like our circumstances, Heavenly Father has given us opportunity to be humble enough to say we're here and that's enough and we're trying and that's enough our testimony is strong and that's what matters right and we showed up right we showed up exactly exactly so chaplaincy tell me well go ahead because we have listeners for the podcast Go ahead and share just a little bit of an introduction and a little bit about your family. My name is Shay Curtis, and I am the wife of a chaplain. My husband joined the National Guard five years ago as a chaplain, kind of a unique thing in the military. So he's been serving in that capacity for five years, but as a member of the National Guard, he actually has a full-time civilian job. So he is a seminary teacher, and he's been doing that for 12 years, and he totally loves it. We have six kids and um, in Riverton, Utah, and we have a little urban farm here. It's kind of fun for our kiddos and for us. I love that so much, just that you get that experience. When the, when the pandemic started, our hospital for our daughter, she's basically still been in the hospital for the last five years. So we take turns with her and she's in and out. And right now she's actually doing really well. But when the pandemic started, the hospital was like, no, 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 no. We don't know what this is yet. You need to get out of the city now. And we live in Kansas City. So they're like, you need to go to the country because whatever this is, it's bad. And your daughter will not survive it. And they keep telling us that about her. And she keeps pulling through things. But that's what we did. We moved to the country and rented a little farm where people who happened to get a residency out of state but didn't want to give up their land and through serendipitous circumstances we found each other and basically traded homes and wow yes for two years and so our children got a little taste of that we had chickens and goats and rabbits and horses and cows and all this land to play on And it was a bountiful for us after the hard years we have been through. It was just incredible. Yeah. Well, and there's something very um, therapeutic about being able to come and just have some nature to go. And sometimes the hard things you do, just being a chaplain or even just in life and family and times right now, 
we found that it really is so helpful to be able to have this like a really safe space that sometimes you don't need to use words you can just be in that space and kind of share nature you know it's so so healing and it makes me think of the garden in the garden you know how did you and your husband learn about chaplaincy how did that unfold for him Oh, yeah. So, of course, he was teaching and his um, principal came to him and said, hey, I've been approached by the National Guard about a chaplaincy um, position. Is that something you would be? He said, I, it's not something that I can do, but I thought of you. Um, is that something you'd be interested in? And interestingly enough, Bryant had always wanted to join the military. His dad has served and his grandpa served. But um, when we were first married, it just didn't feel right. And so we just were like, no, um, this isn't a good fit for us right now. But he'd always had that desire. So when that came about, coupled with he's a convert to the church, he joined the church when he was 18. And prior to joining, he wanted to be a youth minister. So he actually had already like a career path lined out. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be a pastor or a minister. So when this opportunity came up to kind of have the best, like that military service and service country, as well as that pastoral kind of um, non-denominational service, he was, he just, it just seemed really right. So as we prayed about it, and of course we had four kids at the time. So that's a huge commitment, not just chaplaincy, but also the military side. But we felt really strong about it. Definitely was something he felt called to that we both did. And so he just joined up. Our family thought we were a little crazy, but it's been a total, total blessing in our life. And just the amazing people we've met and the experiences we've had have been, have really helped us develop as humans so although it's been difficult at different times I think it's been um it's been quite the journey so yeah that's kind of how he got in to the chaplaincy of course there's a process to actually get in especially being from the church uh, of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints so he had to go through that process and then be vetted that way but also through the military so that was so he was just getting like background checks and interviews and like we kind of felt like we were under a microscope for a minute so (laughs) so that's always like a fun process but it's very intense isn't it yeah yeah a little bit and you feel like I know there's a part of us that was like are we even you know because you are interviewed and vetted like you really like do some introspection like am I am I good enough to do something like this and like Am I capable? Are we like the family that could provide that support for people? You know, I I remember when I was entering chaplaincy and getting ready to go to CPE, and the CPE needed the forms from the church, and I I thought I I don't think this is even a thing. I don't I don't especially for women. I don't think that my church has chaplains, and I don't think. In my church, women can do that. And I wasn't sure. And literally that week is when the article came out about women chaplains in the church. And so that gave me Frank's contact. And so I contacted Frank and he was like, no, this is a thing. (laughs) And and so getting, getting that process started and learning about that and then meeting others has just been such a powerful unfolding over the years and a friendship experience. But there's always absolutely that feeling. Maybe maybe as happens with any calling in the church, 
but even this as as work or as a job or a ministry there is something very humbling about it that I cannot do what is being asked of me except very clearly something is being done through me right absolutely Uh, so many experiences that we've had even just being so interesting being the wife of a chaplain because you don't necessarily have those deep connections with people but people have those deep connections with you if that makes sense so as they counsel or um maybe um Brent has helped them with something in their life they've gotten to know him which means they've gotten to know me and my kids and so it's interesting as you connect with these people and they already have this uh deep connection that I feel so unworthy of at times they just have a love you know like they just love me they don't even know me and they just I'll get these big big hugs and and I instantly become almost almost like a family member so it's because you join people in their sacred times you know whether it's death or life or marriage or some of these amazing times that's something that I that my husband says I just love being there for those sacred moments I love sharing that special time with someone and and so yeah I feel like the I just get the rewards of that sometimes <laughs> because I maybe not be in those um moments where they're dealing with that grief together but I get to step in and just be there either via presence or maybe I get to sometimes I get to meet at funerals or weddings or something like that so it, it is a really humbling calling it's really unique and Yeah, like you said, like sometimes it's like it's not what I'm doing, it's definitely what the what God is able to do through me and through through our family. So I think that's so beautiful. It really is a family experience. And I don't think I was really as cognizant of that until we started having those monthly reports where we send in how things are going and our spouse can talk on it or say something or leave a comment and reflecting on the impact of our ministries on our family and what our family is contributing or or what we're struggling with and being so vulnerable to share all of that has really helped me connect that it is such a family experience what we're doing and yeah and seeing the impact of that on my children and what a blessing it has been to them and their hearts as it shapes their experience growing up seeing us connect with people in that way that I don't think we would not just not have those experiences otherwise, but I don't think we would even have access to those experiences otherwise. Right. Absolutely. I totally agree. I feel like it's something I've often felt grateful for, even though some, a lot of the things that we've had opportunity to be a part of have been hard. <laughs> you know, it's hard to be there in those hard times. Um, but again, like having, um, it's almost like having an access to a library of human emotions that you wouldn't otherwise be a part of or connected to. So it is such a beautiful thing. And I, I love that my husband wants, wants to do that. And, and he, he does such a great job. Of course, his, I, I would say his gift is connecting scriptures, um, being, having a background of obviously seminary teaching, but also being a convert, he has a deep love of the scriptures. And so he's able to like really connect the scriptures to like what you're going through. I just love that he's able to kind of connect those. And then occasionally we get to hear snippets of like how that connected with what he was doing at work. You know what I mean? So 
But those learning experiences are so essential when you're raising your kids to be able to bring in like what you're doing at work, regardless of what that is, and bringing it home and saying like, this is how this plays in real life, you know? And so I, I, I don't know, I just cherish that in our, in just our parenting experience. I have had similar experiences also as a convert. I had several experiences with the missionaries, but I was not baptized until I was in my mid-30s and did not meet my husband until I was 35. And so I was 36 by the time I was married and sealed in the temple and serving a church mission with the family search department. And I just think that, or I have seen, much like you're describing with your husband, I have seen how Heavenly Father has used these experiences that I thought, oh, I'm so unworthy because I did not grow up inside the church and because I was not born into the church and because culturally, like, I'm, I'm never going to be good at doilies. And I mean that metaphorically, like, I'm not... No, I'm I'm not going to fit the mold of Relief Society, although I'm absolutely a part of it and love it so much. But, like, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I I don't know the cultural pieces. (laughs) And and so sometimes, sometimes that's difficult and separating what is social and what is testimony and and doing all of that. But as a convert, I have also seen how Heavenly Father has used those experiences to sort of in a restorative healing way, both being able to reach out to people that I don't know I would otherwise know how to talk to, as well as taking those things from my past and transforming them into good. And there's something really beautiful about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Being able to like connect with people on that level and, um, yeah, um, Brandon definitely uses his, um, upbringing and some of the things that he experienced, um, to really connect with the people he ministers to. Um, and a lot of the soldiers are young that he works with. And so it, it's amazing how you're totally prepared. Like he was totally prepared to do what he's doing. Um, and the Lord does that. It's amazing. Like he can, you think maybe things you did were not, um, maybe that important or maybe like, Oh, I, you know, like maybe feeling bad that you haven't had the church your whole life, but then because you didn't, and maybe those experiences, Emily, that you had, those are helping you have context to help people heal and help connect with people in real ways um, because you've been there or because you've felt something, maybe not the same, but something similar. And um, yeah, I just think it's so beautiful and how the Lord prepares you and that you can really, and I know for myself too, like the experiences that I've had have led me to feel like I, okay, I can, I can do this. Like, Or isn't that amazing that I have this experience that kind of lines up with how I can help or how I can support, um, even just being a seminary teacher's wife for 12 years, I think has really helped me to develop a sense of what it looks like to minister as a companionship, even though I'm not the voice. So I'm not the voice when he goes into the classroom, but I definitely have a presence. And the way that we 
um, foster our relationship and the way that we create our home and um, our life together really influences all of the kids and all of the maybe the soldiers that he works with because it becomes we become a unit in that way, if it makes sense. So I just think it's really beautiful having that, that the Lord really does prepare you for these things, even though you're faced with sometimes really hard tasks and you're like, I don't know if I, if I, <laughs> if I could be the, per- like, am I really the person that's, you know, asked to do this thing right now, but he always prepares us for those things. I love your story so much because it is my story. I was introduced to the church and the missionaries through my ballroom dance teacher. And I love he, that. Yes. And he and his wife were people of courage because they were the only dance people in like the whole state that I could get to even talk to me because I didn't have cochlear implants yet. And so I actually took ballroom dance lessons with an interpreter and it was the most amazing experience, but it was through that that I got to know them. But it was my institute teacher and his wife that brought me all the way to the temple you know what I mean so that when I finally finally that's a whole different story but when I finally got baptized I was baptized on Saturday I was confirmed on Sunday they invited me to come speak at seminary on a Friday morning they took me to the (laughs) temple that Friday night and it so structured my understanding of my conversion and that it was that it's a process it's an ongoing process and actively building my testimony and actively using my agency and studying the scriptures and saying my prayers those habits are what helped me build my faith and it was absolutely the home of my institute teacher and his wife and i was older i wasn't even a young kid but they were so kind to me. I was so hungry to learn. And that those were the seeds of my faith. And so I don't know if you ever feel discouraged. I'm like, are they seeing what we're trying to give? But I promise you that they are. And I promise that those seeds will come to fruition over time. And I just, I can speak to that from my own experience. I love that. That's so cool. I didn't know that um, you joined through institute and that's awesome and through your ballroom class that's you're amazing how do you take a ballroom class with an interpreter that's fantastic (laughs) i feel like you need an interpreter just to do the footwork so (laughs) yes yes it was an interpreter who knew ballroom dance and she just went around the room with us it was pretty wild but after a year or so he had learned enough sign language that she didn't really have to do it as as intensely And it's very, I mean, talk about learning how to communicate. I really think it prepared me for marriage because I really had to learn to listen even before I had cochlear implants. Yeah. Well, and the trust too, like the trust level is way up there. (laughs) Speaking of trust, what was it like? You spoke about what it was like when your husband was being vetted through that whole process. But what was it like for you? when he was going through the process of the educational pieces or CPE and things like that? Yeah, so to be a seminary teacher, he had to have a bachelor's degree. And then he went on and got his master's of education. And this is prior to the chaplaincy. So we had been just going to school and he had just finished his master's of education. We kind of felt like, yay, we did it. That was a hard thing we did, (laughs) you know? And then um, when he 
was looking into the chaplaincy, it required a master's of divinity, um, which would again be like a totally different degree. And that was really kind of a little bit of a stumbling block for us. Cause we we're like, wait, is that an, is that commitment we're ready to dive into again? That was definitely a trust and a faith moment for me, thinking like, okay, we're going to add another job and we're going to go to school again. <laughs> and, but we just felt so strong about it. So we went ahead and did that. And so he got his master's of divinity, um, obviously while teaching school and while doing his trainings with the military and working with the chaplaincy wherever it was needed and then and he is currently still getting his he, he went on to get his doctorate so uh, we have like one year left um pray for us <laughs> we <laughs> i definitely have senioritis like really bad i'm ready to be done with school but um i'm also really grateful um because i've seen him we've all grown our whole family's all grown through education and i don't i think that across the board you could say anytime we get education we may be learning something. It may not be what we think. <laughs> that just means for our family that we give him space to do his work. And we've really had to develop like a a schedule to where he gets to stay in his office space and like complete his work and then come home. Because when we were doing the at home, trying to do his schoolwork, he had, um, he's getting an online degree through Amherst University. So well, it's nice that it's flexible. It's a scheduling challenge because he wants to be here with us and we want him to be here with us. But when he's here with us, you can't do either. <laughs> so we kind of worked out to where like he just stays to work later. And then when he comes home, he can be home for the most part, unless he gets a phone call from one of his soldiers or something like that. But so that has been an evolutionary thing in our house. And I'm really glad we're getting close, but I'm also really grateful we've had to stretch in those ways because we weren't as good at scheduling and we weren't as good at kind of like compartmentalizing like family and work. And, you know, there's so many things to juggle and you just pray that you're getting it right. <laughs> so that's that's the education that he kind of had and is still currently doing for to grow and and obviously to be qualified to be a chaplain in the military. And I had I had a similar experience in that I already had my Ph.D., but I still had to go get a Master of Divinity. And I thought, are you kidding me? What are we doing? <laughs> are you serious? And even when I went back to my university and said, so here's the thing. They were like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> I know people just think you're so crazy. And you're like, well, I mean, if the, that's what we came down to, too. Like, if the Lord wants us to do this, we are going to do it. You know, like, it'll just, it'll make sense in the end, right? <laughs> right. And and balancing that, when, when I found out that that had to be done, I knew, because I did have my PhD, I knew I wouldn't have to, like, start over and do two years of classes. I think I just had to take, like, a couple of courses, and they were like, yeah, okay, <laughs> here's another right. degree. But, but yeah. it was after we were already fostering. The children were not adopted yet, but it was after we were already fostering. And to have to have the conversation with my husband of, if we're really doing this, I also need to be in school while we're working. And just for context, in case there are people listening who are not of our faith tradition, 
in our faith tradition, often culturally and spiritually too, many, many women do not work outside the home because raising a family is such a priority and also, can I just say, hard work. So, so there, sometimes we get a lot of flack socially because I do work. And in our context, first of all, my husband writes musical theater. And so he has a terminal degree in that, a master's degree in that. But he also gets paid in chunks. So he gets paid for production, even though he may write on something for five or 10 years. So for example, he just finished writing the new Living Legends program for BYU for Jamie Wood. So that is super exciting, but it's a project, right? And so his payment comes at the end of a project, not every two weeks, like a salaried paycheck. That's how it works with him, which is okay, but that's a lot harder when you have little ones. And yeah. I am a convert, so I already had my education, and I already had a license. I'm, I'm licensed as a therapist as well, and so I was already working as a counselor, and I could just get paid more, more quickly in less time than what he could with his work, and so for right. us, it has been a balance of convert syndrome of how can we still be the best parents we can be but be flexible and adapt like it says in the family proclamation about individual adaptation that's us we're the adaptation people <laughs> and and balancing things but also still being so so present in the home and right. when we found out that i had to go get one more degree it was just we were just i mean how do you even explain that even to his in-laws my parents had already passed his parents were alive and having to go to his mother and say, Hey, Hey, what's up? Yeah. I'm going to do just one more thing. But, but his parents were so, so supportive. And as it turned out, like heavenly father, knowing things we don't know yet. Right. Our right. daughter was born right as my courses were starting. And so when we thought there's no way I will ever have time to do this, what we didn't understand was that Heavenly Father was going to make it entirely possible, but in a way we did not expect. <laughs> right. For my, my MDiv courses, I did that all while I was in the hospital room with my daughter in a coma because I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't make noise. They were trying so hard to keep her heart rate down. I couldn't even talk. So all I had was my laptop. And so there I was just reading and studying and typing and reading, studying and typing. And my husband was at home single parenting because I had to be with her anyway. And right. how we got through those years, I still don't know. I still don't know. <laughs> But it worked out. And when when I was done with school, she was also coming out of the hospital some. And so our family really had this reuniting experience, which actually culminated in Salt Lake City. That's why we all went as a family to that first chaplain training and, and why I was taking turns with the children. Because I had been in the hospital with my daughter for a year. I literally had not seen the other children. Like she got life flighted out of state without warning we were just strapped down and off we went and so i th wow. that's a very tender memory to me and and i know they i know they want us to be present and grown up when we're focused for our trainings and that makes sense i, I don't at all mean to complain about that 
but I have tender memories of that first chaplain training with having all of our family in one place and being able to go to the Salt Lake Temple with all of us and we had all been sealed together by that point and it was just such a miracle for our family to be there in that space. I feel like it's you go through like this pressure test and then there's always like those moments that like you just get a glimpse of like the work you're doing and in yourself the work you're doing for others like and culminating into like what you've created with your family right like oh like this is why I'm doing it this is why like spending those nights typing and and of course probably stressing over your baby like just kind of culminated to like this without experiencing that that pressure test you wouldn't have really appreciated that joyful moment as much you know what I mean so true. Yeah, it's like it's like a great side effect, right? This beautiful side effect of um, I don't want to call them trials, but like of I don't know those experiences where you're put under a little bit more pressure. My husband and I have learned to say with therapy, right? <laughs> with yeah. ther- with therapy with all the children because our families had a lot of trauma from foster care and the medical trauma so just just our own therapy for dealing with all of that we've had to learn to say we're not murmuring we're not murmuring we have no complaints about heavenly father's plan and we're entirely willing to be obedient and to repent and to desire to do better but also because we're still human it's okay to say that this is hard and to acknowledge it because that's where Heavenly Father meets us. That's where the Lord, like, like that's where the atonement starts working. And that's where right. the Spirit fills us and brings us into what He is trying to do. It's okay to say that this is hard. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one thing I think I love about comfort being married to when I feel like I can say this. <laughs> I love that um, just like you called yourself unfiltered. And I, love unfiltered i love that honesty that comes because there is a side of i mean i've been raised a member my whole life and i love i have pioneer heritage and so like i've been raised in this culture of just like these amazing stalwart faithful people and sometimes it's easy to think that um looking at my like let's say looking at my grandpa who i know as in you know my last memory of him is in his 90s that somehow I'm supposed to be that in my thirties. And that doesn't really, (laughs) it doesn't even make sense. So I love, I love that um, as a convert and maybe just his personality, but Bryant has that unfiltered, like honesty and that humble, like desire to learn and grow that just says like, I'm just going to tell you where I'm at. I'm going to tell you that this is hard or that this, you know, like this is what happened just unfiltered. And I just, I've just learned to initially it was, hard for me because I'd be like oh you're you're just gonna say that you're just gonna throw that out there that you know and he's like yeah why not and I've learned that as we do that like you're saying that's where the atonement meets us is is when we're able to say like yeah I'm not perfect at all Um, because we all feel that we all know that about ourselves but then to be able to just articulate that that that's the exciting part of the gospel is because we have Jesus Christ in our life that's what makes all of this manageable doable and we can find joy in it and so anyway I just love that 
like and that you called yourself unfiltered and I think I've tried to unfilter myself more and more as the years go on because I feel like that is so essential to our progression is to be able to say like this is a hard thing but because of Jesus Christ it's doable like because of Jesus Christ I can find joy in it absolutely absolutely I think I I think it took me some time to learn that the unfilteredness was part of my testimony because it's who I am right and not just shame for not being finished right yeah and that's definitely a journey I love that story about I I can't be where he was at 90 when I'm in my 30s that makes so much sense yeah we have all these examples of you know saints who have gone on before us and I think we all like interact with them and and look up to and want desire that for ourselves and I think that's a good thing but I think it is good to take ourselves and our strides and our seasons and and that's something I'm learning right now in motherhood I think like in parenting we're taught that lesson really quickly that like maybe so now now that I have some teenagers when I watch my sister's baby it just seems like such a peaceful time you know I'm like oh I remember when but in that time of my mothering and learning how to do newborns or learning how to do, I was like so overwhelmed so we all have like times and seasons but I've had 13 14 years of experience working with children that age you know what I mean and so it would be unfair to judge my past self in what I know now if that makes sense it does. There's so much truth in that. When we have toddlers, we watch toddlers learn how to walk. That's why they're called toddlers, because they toddle, yeah. right? They they take some steps, and they fall down. They try to pull up, and they fall down. And no one yells at you, stop being a baby. Why don't you walk already? But that's how we talk to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we're so mean to ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. That's definitely something I'm learning to, for myself, lately just having I think in my phase of motherhood our oldest is 16 and our youngest is four years old so we have a wide range um and we just recently adopted our oldest we have a 16 year old on top of our um 13 year old so if that makes sense so I feel like I Brian and I have like put our um parenting like three steps forward like three years ahead where we weren't prepared like for the teenage things yet (laughs) so but it's been really interesting to navigate that in terms of like um allowing myself to have a season like you said and like be able to um grow in that and have grace for the days that are like I you know you have to reach out to the Lord a little bit more (laughs) that's when I learn the most when I'm I feel like we could come back to that on a whole different podcast even. So you're going to have to visit again because there's so much to unpack just with that piece. I I think that is where there is space for grace, which would be a more Protestant thing to say than a Latter-day Saint thing to say, but I find it to be true, and and watching that unfold is a really beautiful thing. How do you how do you explain chaplaincy to your friends and family when they ask what your husband does, or when you're just meeting someone? Yeah, so I pretty much so because he is a chaplain in the military, 
um, I feel like I have to explain like two sides of it. Cause if I just say he's in the national guard, then they assume he's a soldier, like carrying a gun, doing those types of things, which is not at all, um, what he's doing. And so, um, then I kind of explain that piece, but also because as a chaplain in the military, he doesn't carry a gun. He actually has a bodyguard. Um, so he can never hold a gun, obviously because of his, because of what he does, he is a safe place. So if, um, but then as far as the chaplain goes to explain that portion, I just say that like he, he works with soldiers to protect their religious freedom. He provides that space where they can he'll counsel with them and he sometimes is there if if they would want him to marry them or he just operates in a non-denominational capacity providing religious support so that could mean a lot of things on different days but he spends a lot of time with the guys and helping their families so he's for the he's for the soldier but also for their families so if someone in their family's having a difficult time or needs help, then he's there. Most of the time, he's emergency care. So it's usually in the height of an emergency, um, spiritually, emotionally, or otherwise. He typically will be there for that moment and help them get to a safe place or help them be in a good spot. And then he will help them get where they need to go. So whether that means back to their faith, back to their pastor, back to their bishop, or he'll direct them to counseling, to therapy, or whatever that looks like. So he's there. I like to say he's in like the ER of spirituality, <laughs> and that's essentially where he is in those in those moments where he needs somebody to talk to. And then, of course, his main goal as a chaplain is to direct people back to their faith, whatever that might be. And because he is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, he upholds his own morals and values as well. So just giving his point of view, obviously, like I said, like our life will obviously project into the things that he says and, and that makes him be able to bring his faith in. But that's how he does it, not necessarily pushing his faith on other people because not what the chaplaincy is about. So that's kind of how we have them. People have lots of questions about that. Because we are members of this church, we don't have paid ministry. We don't have pastors and so it's a little bit abstract for members of the church but if you're not a member of our faith then it's totally oh you're like a pastor or you're like you know what i mean or a non-denominational pastor so anyway in terms of explaining it in our faith it is a little bit a little bit more abstract it feels like to explain i love that analogy or metaphor about the er of spirituality that's pretty powerful yeah it, and that's just kind of come to me over COVID. It's been a really hard, hard year, obviously, for everyone. And so um, the things that he's been able to help with or be kind of in the room for to be supporting these people, it's been really heavy. And I've definitely seen him go through this, like, really heavy process and, and realizing that, like, on top of normal daily things, we're experiencing a pandemic, we're experiencing, like, unrest in the world, we're experiencing shortages on our shelves, and these things impact us daily, you know, just normally, and so you are seeing an uptick in the ER room, you know, not just in the hospitals, but in, like, in the chaplaincy, like, he's seeing a lot more people just wondering what they believe, and, like, 
wanting to get clarity for themselves. Um, yes. You know, and vaccines, not vaccines, like all these different issues really push us to our spirituality. And we have to decide at the end of the day, you have to decide like what you believe and who you believe in. And um, that really defines the choices and the outcomes of your future. And especially now in the times we live in, like more and more you're seeing people not be able to just get off in that gray area. There comes a point where they have to make a choice. And so, yeah, I think the chaplaincy is so important to be able to be there for people when they're making those choices, to be able to walk them down that path, to be able to um, support them and just help them hear their thoughts and help them navigate that when most of the time they're experiencing a crisis at the same time. So it's not like they're just like, oh, what do I believe today? It's like, oh, I'm, you know, maybe my, someone in my family has committed suicide or, you know, like just these really hard, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to get this COVID-19 vaccine or, you know, so these really hard, hard things in life. And then on top of that, just to be like, I have to decide what that means for me and my faith or just as a person, where do I fit in this universe and where do I go from here? I think there's no room in chaplaincy for us to just go through the motions it makes it so so real that we're living our faith and interacting with the faith of other people around us yes absolutely i love that about just our faith i love that we believe in every all you know all the good things and in supporting others and what they believe and i feel so power i feel so strongly about that that everybody's on a different journey spiritually and they're allowed to do that and God is working with them whether it looks linear or not which makes me feel like in my life's journey the fact that my life hasn't been linear it hasn't been you know we go through these ups and downs and like showing up and feeling like you're a mess half the time is like okay I might be doing something right because this is how the Lord works with us (laughs) right I love that and I think I think that's part of what builds my testimony of that experience of a actual relationship with Heavenly Father and seeing evidence of the atonement working in my life and around me and other people and and the spirit moving in all kinds of ways. Like we think about language sometimes as as what people speak. And so we want the gospel in lots of languages so that lots of people have access. But language is also sometimes culture or upbringing or family dynamics or all of these other ways that it comes in. And chaplaincy is just that presence of being in that space with someone wherever they are. And and it teaches me so much about Heavenly Father being in my life with me in ways that, I mean... I'm so grateful for the spirit, right? Like I'm not just abandoned to mortality. <laughs> like this is right. going to be a rough ride, but you're on your own. Like we are not abandoned in it. And and being so present with me helps me feel more connected to Heavenly Father, not just trying to do a job to be present for other people. There's such a connectedness with all of us together and the humanity in that I just think is a beautiful thing. It's absolutely beautiful. That's one thing I know 
my husband doesn't, he has 100% confidentiality. So he doesn't come home and talk about people's um, issues. But it's really interesting what you said about language, because being connected that way, spiritually, you can, you can feel heaviness, you can feel sorrow, you can feel, you can, the spirit conveys those things, whether you know details or not. And um, I will say being in the chaplaincy has really helped us to just really strive for that spirit in our life. That, so that when we're faced with, I mean, being in like an emergency situation, you need to know what you believe and be prepared and have that spirit ready <laughs> to be able to say the things you need to say. And I don't know how many times my husband's come home and said, I'm so grateful for the Holy Ghost. Like I could not do this job without the spirit because I said things that I never would have thought before. I never would have said, but it just like came out. And um, I know that it was the spirit. And I know that was the Lord helping me to be what I needed to be in that moment. And cause you're confronted with different situations that you wouldn't like just know what to say, you know, that's my biggest fear. I'm like, well, I wouldn't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, but yeah, just having the, the spirit, um, having the Holy ghost is that companion is so essential and it is regularly in our lives. But I love how um, being in the chaplaincy has really highlighted that and really like made me ponder and, and, desire that in my life as I work with my kids, as I work with my friends and neighbors to be able to have the spirit and be able to know that I will say what he wants me to say. And it's such a beautiful thing to be a part of. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Of course. Thank you for calling me. I just love what you're doing. And I, I think you're such an inspiration. So you keep being amazing and all the things you're doing and a podcast. Look at you. I bet it'll be great. I'm, it'll be awesome. I'm excited to like see where you go from here. Well, um, thank you so much, really. I, I want to respect your time. I know your kids are waiting too. Mine are like, is it lunch? Hello. <laughs> you can't just be talking on the phone. <laughs> No, no. Well, I will let you go, but thank you so much, truly in my heart, and I'm grateful, and I absolutely consider you a safe person, talking about chaplaincy as a safe place. I love that, because the world needs that so much, and you have been a safe place for my heart always, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. You were so gracious, even, and I have to set the tone a little bit, because it's me, and people who are only, like, cultural, as opposed to people of faith or loving others they're going to be like what is wrong with this person and why did they let her on the oh, air whatever no. <laughs> you know what people love that like like Bryant is similar and there's something just so genuine and I just like I love that genuine like unfiltered we should all be more like that so don't don't dim your light because other people can't you know shine shine out let that be you you know <laughs> So you give me hope. Thanks. So, Brian, he gives me hope. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, thank you. It's so good to see you. I want to talk to you again soon. It made me cry. Thank you. Oh, Good cry. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Saints and Humans, a podcast for chaplains even those of us who are very human and still learning to become saints.
You can follow us by subscribing to the podcast on any podcast player and following us on our Facebook page, Saints and Humans. Thank you.